chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome to the State of Cannabis, bringing you fact-based news and views. Tasting by brand at dot brand perfect. No, perfect. No, even and even I'd love to thank, really love to thank, really love, thank you for thank you for showing up or showing up or Christmas on the eve as Chris Chris on the eve Christmas Eve, eve we love to hear. Eve uh, here we loved me in the back for me in the in the very near in the very we're back for very near have a future future have a we have for I hope for uh I hope for what for uh for for what they can but become but and become thank you and well as the author of branding bud the consumerization of cannabis David welcome to the show thank you it's great to be here so let me ask you this why does bud need a brand other than say you know like a blue dream Girl Scout cookies or green crack? Well, that's a loaded question. Why does cannabis need a brand? Just like anything else needs a brand, a brand really brings out, I should say, a number of things. One, we can trust it over and over again. There's consistency. There's an expectation up front, but as long as that expectation is managed and contained and consistent, people know what to expect and they'll always go back to it. Whether it's a bottle of Coke or a Starbucks coffee. People understand it, they go back to it, they keep purchasing it. That's what a brand is all about. You know, you and I definitely understand what a, what the brand recognition represents. And honestly, you know, I'd say our biggest hurdle in cannabis consumerization or even legalization front would be the ability for the opposition to simply render us a joke. People that utilize cannabis or, or even operate within the cannabis space. I find very, very important that we're able to find ourselves elevated above the joke status that cannabis seems to have found itself in. So let me ask you, what do you do in order to elevate cannabis above this type of a status? On a monthly basis, I write an article in Dope Magazine where I look at various brands that are in the cannabis space. I also compare them to other hosts, other industries, be it health and beauty, alcohol, tobacco, many other industries, consumer goods. And I try to take a look at what's taking place in those industries and the best practices that are taking place there and overlaying that into the cannabis space. For me, that's important as we elevate what we do and what the brands present in the cannabis space. That's priority number one. It's a priority for a number of reasons. We have a number of people using cannabis who are patients and who expect certain things from their medicine. Again, coming back to consistency primarily. And then we have people using it for recreation. And again, consistency is important there as people know and understand how to use cannabis in the right way, in a responsible way, and also know how to dose themselves, so to speak. Keep in mind, over history, if you will, we've gone from dimed bags to dose portions, and now we're moving into consumer-packaged, professionally-branded, dosed products. And as we go through that, there'll be a curve relative to how people use cannabis and how cannabis affects people differently relative to an edible versus a vape pen or something, that flower that you might smoke. These are the things that people trying new products and new materials 
as they try these things, over time, as long as they're consistent, the product is consistent, they'll understand where their tolerance levels are and they'll be more responsible with it. Without consistency, it's very hard to do that. Picture if somebody bought a can of Budweiser and each time it was different, the potency was different, this would have a great effect on the general public. So consistency is important and through, and through branding, we really get down to consistency. I would even also uh, include in that aspect, you know, not mixing. You know, often uh, people will use cannabis for the first time or the first time in several years after they've had a couple of beers or a couple of cocktails. And, you know, cannabis now versus cannabis then is a completely different animal. And it can be a little bit more in your face. So, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, I think that if we actually as I don't even want to say a community, but as a consumer, you know, would want to make sure that we have various warnings, you know, just for the, the people that may or may not know. You know, there's certain aspects of cannabis being an adaptogen that, you know, obviously, uh, you know, if you have other things in conjunction with, it's going to probably accent them. So it's good to know ahead of time, unless you're really ready to ride a, a really tall ride sometimes. But as far as brand awareness, you know, I, I really love this idea. I got to say, I really love the fact that we're at this point with cannabis itself, that we can take a step back and say, yep. You know, just having a big white box isn't enough. We need a bow tie. We need some polka dots. I mean, whatever it might be. Obviously, I'm, I'm not a brand kind of person myself. But the fact that we can actually look at it as a justifiable business at this point, I just I find it to be kind of like the end game. You know, I keep saying in, in the show it's the end game. But, I mean, the, the fact is is that, you know, we can elevate it to this level. And I love it that we can actually hope for not just snazzy packaging, but making it commonplace. Well, and that's happening. Let me give you one example. So in writing the book, Branding Bud, <clears throat> right now we've interviewed over 200 companies from Washington State to Colorado to Oregon to California. I think one amazing example is one company called The Good Chip. The Good Chip is an edible company. They make chocolate and cookies. And the owner of that company... Her name is Jody Hall, and Jody Hall started Cupcake Royale in Seattle, which essentially started the cupcake craze in the States. Prior to that, Jody worked for many years at Starbucks. So what Jody has managed to do is take her knowledge learned from Starbucks relative to product design, product development, branding, building a community, creating a community that buys into the brand promise not only was successful at Starbucks with that, but then took that into Cupcake Royale and essentially created a consumer trend. And then now has taken that into the cannabis-infused edible market. Her products are packaged absolutely beautifully. The name The Good Ship is certainly a mass market name, but certainly has some implications there. And it's done wonderfully, and it's done consistently. It's those types of brands and those types of stories and those types of people and entrepreneurs that will actually legitimize what's taking place in the cannabis space. You know, with somebody with a corporate career of 20 years plus at American Express, Pepsi, MasterCard, and Microsoft, I come at it both from an entrepreneurial perspective and certainly as a brand and marketing person, I'm very curious about it. There are people in the space that 
have been growers for many years, have done it illegally, and now they're coming out of the closet. And in many ways, that creates opportunity for me, a brander and marketer. But conversely, there are people like Jody and companies like The Good Ship who have those skills and are now looking to bridge the gap and find those growers that have been doing this for many years and help legitimize what they've done. So there's business opportunity, there's branding opportunity, but we have to do it in a way that caters to consumers and the general public so everybody is safe, quite frankly. It's a growing market, you know, in in more ways than one and creating so many new markets for so many new entrepreneurs. And it's really important to be able to highlight and encapsulate these things. Um, David, we got to take a quick break. When we get back, State of Cannabis, Branding Bud, the consumerization of cannabis. We're going to talk about it some more, folks. We'll be right back with you. Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. (laughs) (laughs) Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the the, the king, right? You just have, you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. (laughs) (laughs) The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us tonight, we have David Palaszczuk, author of Branding Bud, The Consumerization of Cannabis. David, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. You know, we've talked about a couple of uh, different topics, you know, obviously the importance of adequate branding for cannabis. I mean, how else are we going to remove the stigma that is present in every cannabis consumer's life, whether you're in, you're in a recreational state, a medical state or neither. So tell us what the future looks like for you from a brand perspective. Well, here's the most interesting thing. When we start off thinking about cannabis today, most people think about weed and or pot 
are the words that people have always used. Today we call weed or pot flower. And flower is just but one form factor that exists for cannabis consumers. There are many form factors. Those form factors include flower, edibles, concentrates, topicals, tinctures, pills, and innovative products such as transdermal patches and sublingual films that you put under your tongue that are taken orally and dissolve in your mouth. That said, the process that goes into the various forms of cannabis today is vastly different. And with each one of those, one expects a different type of packaging. So let's take edibles for a moment and let's think about chocolate. When a cannabis company now, a branded cannabis company now creates a chocolate bar which is infused with THC and or CBD, there's certain things that are expected. One, typically that chocolate bar, just like a Hershey's bar, has what are called pibs, and those are the individual breaks or demarcations in a chocolate bar. Those have typically been used to show a serving size or to call out maybe not to eat the whole bar, even though we all do. When it comes to cannabis-infused products, that's much more important. So from a best practice relative to a chocolate bar, especially in the cannabis space, one should expect demarcations, and one also would expect a certain type of packaging and branding around a chocolate bar versus, let's say, pills or scripts. If somebody, let's say a medical cannabis user, is taking pills, then they would expect those pills to be packaged similar to what we might buy in the drugstore, like aspirins or other types of pills in a blister wrap. So relative to form factor, that really pushes and drives packaging. And then relative to the category that it lands in, that also too, there are certain expectations around it. And my feeling is that if a cannabis brand is creating a brownie, it should probably look like what we all expect a brownie to be, but with some other things on top of that, like a child-resistant package, etc. So when we talk about the state and the future of cannabis, it's really multi-tiered across many industries, if you will. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, I mean, when you look at cannabis, obviously you don't want your children to uh, accidentally imbibe. That's foolhardy for everybody to think. If anything, there should always be just an inherent respect, but knowing awareness of what is to be expected. And that's part of the branding aspect of it, um, a knowing awareness. So when you do have a medible, again, you know exactly and precisely what that square where that demarcation line occurs is going to produce in your body. And, you know, honestly, in the last 70 years, I would say that that has been something that has always been lacking with cannabis because you never quite know. And so this has been kind of a desire of the cannabis consumer all along. You know, I mean, we would seek out strains like, you know, Acapulco Gold and, you know, whatever it might be at the time, you know, Indian Red Hair, Creeping Ganja. I mean, who, who knows? But for a specific thing to occur, and generally it wasn't what the person was telling you it was going to be, you were happy to get it perhaps. But nonetheless, you know, it, it's always been kind of an unknown variable. And now we actually do have the ability to kind of specify 
and be able to pronounce what is going to happen. And that for myself is very, very exciting. I mean, it's it's far removed from the point in which gaggle of youth would walk past and uh, see a, a large crop of bush and say, hey, you know, don't you wish that was all weed? I mean, it was almost one of those euphemisms that always occurred as a child or an adolescent or a young adult, preferably a young adult, mind you, but that uh, you would look at some cropping of bush and, and, and simply say that you wish that was all cannabis. I still, to this day, still wish it was all cannabis, to be honest. <laughs> so, you know, again, to, to digress, yes, it's important that we have these little things like uh, the de- demarcation lines, having the ability to to specify how much uh, we are, are taking in. I mean, if we have a can of beer, it's certainly going to say, you know, it's 4.7%. Uh, you know, if you go on to something harder, it's going to say what the proof is. And and we need to be able to uh, ascertain what it is, in fact, we are going to have happen. I would say it's paramount. That's right. And, you know, I'll liken it to basically, you know, prohibition with alcohol. So, whether it was fire water or whatever it was coming out of your neighbor's backyard distillery, that would actually change, you know, from batch to batch, which is exactly what took place with growers and across strains and across regions when they were growing. What happens today is um, a number of things. One, the rules and regulations in place, at least in the, in the legal states, both medicinally and recreationally, allow for and and provide for testing of flour. So one is able to see the chemicals that are in the flour. They're also able to see how strong the flour is, the THC levels, the CBD levels, some of the terpenes, and some of the various flavor profiles. That's something not too long ago we weren't able to do. Additionally, as we process the flour, or as we see the flour processed into other types of things like waxes and concentrates and oils, which are then vaporized and so on and so forth. In that case, what that does is, again, allow us to test and allow us consistent product. So with that, we really get to exactly what you were calling out a moment ago, where you can pick up a can of beer or a bottle of wine, etc., and see the levels of alcohol, therefore knowing what effect to a certain degree, this will have on you. And with that, that's where the cannabis market is moving right now. And that's hugely important, again, coming back to consistency, flavor, taste, and that's all wrapped up in a brand and a brand promise. You know, and this is, this is actually one of those things that I'm going to say is actually probably more difficult even than just simply that. You know, we, we had uh, Corbin and, and Nate from C4 on not too long ago. And, you know, this is almost uh, like peeling the onion because then we the, the terpenes and the flavonoids, they, they become more compounding, you know. They actually have this wonderful study going on over in University of Texas in Arlington. And they found like 40 new compounds in cannabis like within the first pass. It's going to get really exciting, honestly. I mean, what we're going to be able to hone in on certain aspects, you know, oh, so you got a bone break. Well, this is going to be the best one for that. My gut tells me we're, we're probably 20 years in in just specifically, you know, addressing cannabis for the most appropriate necessity. I mean, because of how, how wide range it is, you know, being an adaptogen. My gut just tells me that it's going to be a long time before we can actually hone in specifically for every different ailment. 
We got to take a quick break. When we get back, we've got David Palaszczuk, author of Branding Bud, The Consumerization of Cannabis. We'll be right back with you. Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis. Only- Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, more flavor. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us tonight, we have David Palaszczuk, author of Branding Bud, The Consumerization of Cannabis. David, we've had a couple of different topics. You know, I'd like to dive back into our most recent, and and that's just how widely varying cannabis can be. Honestly, in my mind, one of the most important aspects would be really diagnosing what cannabis can do. The testing aspect of it, I, I'm, I'm so happy that we do it in so many states. But if we can actually expand and compound what it is that we do when we test, and we're able to test for specific applications for humans and and things of that nature. I mean, what would you say uh, if there was specifically brands for our doctors to be able to utilize and what would you see that becoming, you know? Well, that's a loaded question. The first thing I would say is, you know, as cannabis has become legal, it has become medically legal first. And yet no doctors touch it. You know, I mean, for the most part, it's it's a very, very small percentage of doctors that will actually – engage in a cannabis conversation but could you imagine could you imagine a place where a friendly friendly brand just simply awaits within the doctor's office that is specifically targeted for whatever it might be that ails you i mean obviously we know it does so many different things for so many different people and if we could actually identify purely identify what it was in fact that that strain or these specific compounds could do and it just simply is there and it's, you know, 
wonderfully branded. It's just something like, uh, you know, like an aspirin or a Kleenex, and yet it's not. It's cannabis. Right. And to be honest with you, even though I'm a branding and marketing person, um, when we have a conversation around that, I'm more concerned about two things, um, managing expectations. So while cannabis um, is still in its early stages of being tested for various benefits, and when I say that, that's relative to all the other compounds out in the world that have been tested, right? We've had testing going on. The government has tested for many years. It's been tested really for negative things rather than positive benefit. And in fact, that was one of the things Dr. Sanjay Gupta called out on CNN when he came out and apologized, so to speak, for agreeing with all the government studies. So one, I still think it's, it's a bit early on some levels. On other levels, there has been testing and there has been evidence, I would say more than anecdotal evidence, but evidence to show that cannabis in various forms works on various ailments. I also want to point out that in this conversation, many of the forms of cannabis that help various ailments, the THC is actually removed. So there's no component of psychotropic component of some of those medicines. Even if it did, the decarboxylization of, of cannabis is generally what transitions cannabis into a psychotropic form, you know, where it actually has some kind of high. So, I mean, uh, often, you know, people take that into consideration that cannabis on its own, simply if you ate it, is going to get you really baked out of your brain. And in fact, you, you have to treat it first. You know, you have to combust or you have to heat it up to a certain level uh, before it, it, it shifts its form into, a, you know, a psychoactive form. That's true. And in fact, uh, as a side note, when cannabis became legal and many of the grow licenses were available out in Washington state, there were lots of articles in various small town newspapers about the number of deer and rabbits that were getting run over because they were eating <laughs> cannabis and then getting stoned and getting run over by cars. And in fact, they could eat all the cannabis they want off the fields that are growing out there from the farms, but they won't get stoned until that flower is decarboxylated, which then allows for the THC to create the psychotropic effect. So, and that's why when you put flour into brownies, you need to bake that flour to decarboxylate and activate the THC. So to your point, the thing that I think is appealing is that there's promise. I believe, you know, like anything else, when I'm told something is a wonder drug, I'm very skeptical. So I'd prefer to manage consumers' expectations, let the research take place, and let the data speak for itself. And it's going to happen here really, really soon that we actually have the, the handcuffs taken off of us so we can actually do this research. And, and that's really exciting for me. We're about out of time. I really want to get some plugs for the book. David, when can we expect this book to be on the shelf? Well, the book will be out 420 of 2016. Perfect date. Thank you. We're finishing up the book right now. We've got well over 200 brands, again, from Colorado, California, Washington, Oregon, and many medically and uh, recreationally legal states. We have some amazing, amazing brands that appeal to different segments of the market. 
Additionally, I should say the uh, portion of the proceeds will go to Pledge for Growth and the Marijuana Policy Project, giving back to the community and the entrepreneurs that are involved. And lastly, you can find out more information about the book and the brands emerging in the cannabis space at brandingbud.com. Perfect. You know, David, I'd really love to thank you for showing up on this Christmas Eve Eve. We love to hear back from you in the in the very near future. We have uh, high hopes for, uh, for what uh, cannabis is about to become. And thank you for joining us for this edition of The State of Cannabis. You can download past episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also, you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. Don't forget to like and comment. I'm your host, Dave Inman, and we'll talk with you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.